0: good boys and girls two-footed podcast on thursday the 14th of april brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider a virtual privacy network will allow you to go online change your location access things you're geo-block from for example if you're a uk expat and want access to bbc iplayer itv hub all four, a liberty shield vpn can get you where you want to be and most importantly, keep your data safe from the ne'er-do-wells and the miscreants who lurk on the interwebs. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And if you go to libertyshield.com right now and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. We had two games in the Champions League last night. Let's start with Liverpool 3, Benfica 3. Liverpool through 6-4 on aggregate. A strange game. A bizarre game. A fun game. There were certain things that were good, certain things that were bad, and certain things that were just fun. And when it's 3-3, it's generally pretty fun. Liverpool went one up through Ibu Kanate on 21 minutes. Ramos equalised for Benfica on 32 minutes. Bobby Firmino on 55 and 65 put the Reds 3-1 up. Then the offside trap. Failed twice in nine minutes. Uramchuk took advantage the first time. João Mario the second time. And he fed Darwin Nunes, who made it 3-3. Nunes forced one great save out of Alisson Becker. He also had two goals disallowed for offside. He put in another very good showing against Liverpool. And hopefully, hopefully did enough to convince Jurgen Klopp that that's the kind of guy you should go and buy in the summer that can be the next iteration of whatever you want him to be. He is that special. Go and buy him in the summer. Liverpool probably should have scored more goals, but they seem to get a little bit obsessed with trying to get Bobby Firmino as hat-trick, trying to get Mo Salah a goal, and generally trying to walk the ball into the back of the net. But 3-3 on the night is fine. 6-4 on aggregate, and Liverpool move on to the Champions League semi-final, where they will face Real. The first leg will be Wednesday, the 27th of April, at home. And the second leg will be Tuesday, the 3rd of May, away. Should be two good games. For those travelling, Villarreal is an absolute treat. You will absolutely love it. The town is great. stadium's great. The atmosphere will be great. Enjoy it. Credit to the Benfica fans who made a lot of noise last night. And who were, by all accounts, absolutely outstanding guests in the city of Liverpool, uh, going into Liverpool pubs, joining in sing songs, sharing the culture, sharing stories of their own club, gifting scarves and hats and jerseys and all sorts of things. Absolutely outstanding. Benfica are one of the great European clubs, and that must always be remembered. They're two time. European Cup winners, there's not many clubs that can say they're two-time European Cup winners, they're one of them, and others who dismiss them, who support clubs who've never won a European Cup should basically just sit right down In the other game which was absolutely mental Atletico Madrid nil, Manchester City nil. City threw 1-0 on aggregate, Atleti who had no shots and no corners, and 29% of the ball in the first leg, decided to start the game in the exact same manner. They didn't have their first shot until, I believe, the 37th minute. But from there, Atleti were the better team, and City were left clinging on. There was some theatrics, there was some scuffling, There was some intimidation tactics. City did very well to hold their nerve and hold their discipline. City lost Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker to injury. Early reports are both will miss the FA Cup semi-final at the weekend, but you'd never really believe much that comes out of City in terms of injuries. I'm right now expecting both of them to start because that's just the way these things work. Atleti were denied at least one stonewall penalty. Uh, you could argue there was a second one that was a possible shout, even though Canseo got a slight nick on the ball. He didn't knock it out of the path of the striker, and he did take his feet from underneath him. But the other one, absolutely stonewall. Atleti should have equalised one of the last kicks of the ball. Angel Correa got the ball in the box, unmarked. Plenty of time to pick his spot. It's a tame drive. He snatched at it and Edison made a good save. Edison stood up to the bombardment that he faced did quite well. Atleti ended the game with more shots, more shots on target, but still much less of the ball because, you know, Simeone. Um, There's been lots of hand wringing and crying in the British media about how Atleti went about their business. I love it. I love the way they behave. I love the way they go about it. They, did all this kind of theatrical stuff against Liverpool a few years ago. You didn't hear me crying about it. Not once. You might have heard other Liverpool fans crying about it, but I adore this. I, I think it's great. I think we need teams like this. We can't all be friends. I think we need a villain. And Simeone is the, the ultimate villain. Uh, Felipe was sent off on the 91st minute for a kick at Phil Foden, who then rolled around on the ground 14 times. You know, when you're hurt, You definitely have it in you to roll around on the ground and make sure you roll back onto the pitch. Stefan Savage uh, came over, hold him off the pitch. Jack Grealish decided to get himself involved and then had a little cry when Savage pulled his hair. The battle commenced in the tunnel again with Savage and Versalco taking offense to whatever it was that they took offense to. Um, they should just let the players go at it and have a big scrap. It would have just been more entertaining. But the police got involved and broke everything up and nothing much came of it. Simeone said that his team may have crossed the line, but the Guardiola has insulted him multiple times and he doesn't really care if his team crossed the line, which again, I just love. I just love. But City are through and congrats to them. They will now face Real Madrid in the semi-finals. They have a first leg at home as well, just like... Liverpool they will play at home on the 26th of April that's a Tuesday and then they are away on the 4th of April a 4th of May which is a Wednesday so City Liverpool City Real Liverpool Villarreal and then Villarreal Liverpool Real City in those semi-finals those should be fun the final is set for the 28th of May it will be in Paris at the Stade de France having obviously been moved from its initial venue in St. Petersburg. Um, As things stand, you would have to make Liverpool heavy favourites to go through against Villarreal. I've seen a lot of people say City will wipe the floor with Real. I I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not backing a team that has choked routinely in the Champions League over a team who is just littered with players that have multiple Champions League medals and many of them have four Champions League winners' medals. When I see Atleti being able to spoil the way they did and then pin City back and create the opportunities that they did, I don't see why Real can't do it. Real, this season, much better defensive team than Atleti. They will have Militao back. Now, Carvial worries me. I, I don't think he's very good anymore. But Militao is excellent. Alaba's excellent. And Ferland Mendy is excellent. They've got a great goalkeeper in Thibaut Courtois, a great holding midfielder in Casemiro. They've got the ability to control the game with Modric and Cruz. They've also got the tempo setters such as Camavinga and Valverde. They've got Benzema in the form of his life and they've got a game-breaker in Vinicius Junior. Uh, Vinicius Junior. They're a much better team than this Atleti team. Much better team. And while they did struggle in that second leg against Chelsea, they still came back and scored two goals to see themselves through. They came back from the dead against PSG to see themselves through. I don't know why I'd write them off against this City team. Because that Chelsea team had proven they could win a European Cup and Real knocked them out. This City team haven't proven anything of the sort. And just like PSG, this City team have been specialists in failure in the Champions League. Why would I back them over a team of proven winners? Why would I take anybody over Modric, Benzema, Alaba, lads that have won Casemiro, lads that have won everything and are still among the very best in the world in their positions. Will we do a combined 11 for the crack? Why not? You're going Courtois on goal without question. You play Canseo right back, Mendy left back, Diaz and Alaba in the middle, but it's close between Diaz and milita It's close. Uh, In midfield, Casemiro is better than Rodri. Obviously, De Bruyne over Cruz, But I'm still taking Modric over any of the other options. As much as I love Gundogan, as much as I love Bernardo Silva, I'm still taking Luka Modric. Don't care that he's 36. In attack, it's Benzema, it's Vinicius Jr., and it's either Phil Foden or Raheem Sterling. I think individually, Real are every bit as good as City. And the ones I'm leaving out for Real, Valverde, Camavinga, Militao, they're big difference makers. Tony Cruz, difference maker. City are excellent, don't get me wrong. They may well win the treble this season, but don't write Real Madrid off. They're running away with with La Liga and can focus entirely on these games with City. City, on the other hand, have to keep their eyes across the board because they've got a title race. Now, luckily for City, they get Watford at home and Leeds away before these two Champions League games. Real get Osasuna away and Espanyol at home. They're easy games as well. But Real can afford to drop points in them if it happens. City can't afford to drop points. So that's going to be difficult for them. And they may well, depending on how this weekend goes, they may well have a couple more injuries to deal with. We'll see. So that's how the Champions League shakes out. Tonight, loads of football. We have Europa League and Europa Conference League. So in the Europa League, at 5.45, it's Atalanta at home to RB Leipzig. These sides drew 1-1 in the first leg in Leipzig. So this game in Bergamo is nicely balanced. You give Atalanta the advantage at home, but with the form and concurs in, he is capable of winning that game all by himself. And with the attacking talent that Leipzig have, you'd always have to respect their ability to tear a team apart. When you look at, you know, attacking options like Nkunku, Emil Forsberg, Dominic Savalaya, Yusuf Polson, Danny Olmo. Andre Silva, like that's, that's a lot of weapons. A lot of weapons. So I'll give Atalanta the advantage being the home team, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Leipzig pulled this one out. Leon at home to West Ham at 8 p.m. These sides also drew 1 all in the first leg. No Aaron Cresswell. For West Ham, he's suspended. But I think I read yesterday, Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper, is expected to miss out. Maxon's Kakaret is out. And Dembele looks like he'll be fit. Hossam uh, Hour, I think, is back. He had a little bit of a niggle. So players out both sides. Kurt Zuma, a big doubt for this one as well, having gone off at the weekend. Let's see if West Ham... Have any other injury issues on premierinjuries.com? Uh, Zuma and obviously Cresswell. Uh, yeah, so Kurt Zuma looks like he is going to miss that game uh, with an ankle sprain. Big, big blow. Um, Leon or the home team? I'm going to back Leon. Barcelona against Eintracht Frankfurt again. 1 1 from the first leg. These ties are so well-balanced. Barca have been a different beast under Xavi, and I think you have to back them. I think you have to back them at home. Um, But Eintracht, they did upset Real Betis in the last round. It wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility for them to go in here and win this game, even if it was a case where they got it to penalties and beat them that way. I'll back Barca just with the home advantage. Rangers against Braga. Braga hold the 1-0 lead coming to Ibrox. First game was hard fought. Carlos Calvajal, who was obviously at Sheffield Wednesday in Swansea, is a defensive-minded coach. So he won't mind only having the 1-0 lead going to Ibrox. I think Ibrox will be an atmosphere unlike anything Braga have seen before, so it could cause them to get a little bit rattled, I will back Rangers to advance. So if that happens, we would have, I think, Atalanta versus Rangers, Barca versus Leon. I think that's how my semifinals would work out. Uh, and I'd be looking at a Barcelona-Atalanta final and wanting Atalanta to win that because I want them to win something under Gasparini. Uh, in the Europa Conference League, Again, these are all really, really well balanced. So the first game is at 5.45. It's PSV Eindhoven versus Leicester. The first leg ended nil-nil. Eindhoven at home. No advantage to Leicester. I think I'm going to back PSV. Uh, PSV, no Vardy, no Danny Ward, no Ndidi, no Ryan Bertrand. Doubts over Eozi Perez and Bibicari Samare. Uh, I'm going to back PSV to advance there. PAOK at home to Marseille. Marseille won the first leg 2-1, but Gerson was sent off late on, so he'll miss this one. I will back Marseille to get through. I think they're the better team. I think they sneak through. Slavia Prague versus Feyenoord, 3-3 in the first leg. Really fun game. Feyenoord have just been a lot of fun in this competition. Uh, Their games with Partizan, were hilarious as well. There was seven goals in the first, four in the second. There'll be goals in this game. Slavia, the same. They they just don't really bother defending. Uh, they went through 7-5 in the last round while Feyenoord went through 8-3. So this one will have goals, is my guess, and I'm going to back Feyenoord to see it out. And then Roma versus Bodo Glimt. Bodo hold a 2-1 lead from the first leg. But I'm going to back Roma as the home team to overcome that. Mourinho, Tammy Abraham, uh, Pellegrini, I think they'll have enough. Um, so that gives us semi finalists out of PSV, Marseille, Feyenoord, and Roma. I'm actually not sure. Let me just check. Uh, let me just check what the semi final draw would be, because I know it has already been made. Uh, winner of quarterfinal four. So it would be PSV against Roma and Feyenoord against Marseille. I think I'd back Roma and Marseille to make the final. I'd love Marseille to win it because, again, they're just one of those clubs that I'd like to see do well. But I do think Mourinho might just have the magic factor there. And that would then make him... The first and only manager to win a European Cup, a UEFA Cup, a Europa League. I know it's the same competition, but they were different when he won them. And a Europa Conference League. So he'd complete the set. Didn't think he'd be missing is a Cup Winners' Cup, but he wasn't managing when that was a thing. Yeah, I'm going to back Mourinho If he gets through tonight, I'm going to back them to win this competition out. Um, If Leicester get through, I don't fancy Leicester against Roma either. And I certainly don't fancy Brendan against Mourinho. Uh, We'll take a break right there. And when we come back, there's a decent bit of news. We've got some listeners' questions and we have the gossip. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we have sad news. Uh, Freddie Rincon, the former Colombian captain who was in a car accident over the weekend, has passed away from the head injuries that he suffered. He was 55 years of age. He scored 17 goals for Colombia, played at three World Cups in the partnership of him and Carlos Valderrama it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant a sad loss there was also the sad loss of a Liverpool fan at Anfield last night before the game fan was taken ill and the club have announced today that he has or I assume it's a he it could be a she has passed away um that's obviously very very sad as well so may they both rest in peace um Kenny Shields, manager of Northern Ireland women's national team, has gotten himself in a little bit of trouble this week when he came out and said that women are more emotional than men following Northern Ireland's 5-0 defeat by England on Tuesday. This has led to a lot of memes and a lot of sarky comments after the City Atleti game last night. But Northern Ireland's players, led by their captain, Marissa Callaghan, have come out and said that they backed their manager and they stand by him since he took over. They have improved immensely, and she says he's a man of integrity who cares for us like a family. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he he needs to be a bit more careful with what he says, but the players have stood by him, and I think that should probably be the end of it. If the if his own players aren't offended you should just be quiet you can't really be offended by it either. Uh, Arsenal are to investigate homophobic abuse from fans at the Brighton game. Arsenal investigating homophobic bu- abuse from fans during Saturday's defeat by Brighton. The club said two supporters were ejected from the Emirates Stadium during the game. We will take the strongest action possible against perpetrators who can be identified. We would like to remind supporters that homophobic abuse is a hate crime and punishable by the law. We stepped up stewarding operations in areas where abuse was reported. Arsenal should be a safe and welcoming environment for everyone. Any kind of discriminatory abuse is not welcome at the club. Arsenal thanked the fans who reported the incidents. And last week, Brighton banned an Arsenal fan for homophobic abuse when the two sides met at Brighton back in October. Um, Brighton have always been a target for homophobic abuse. I was saying to Guy before we came on air, 11 years ago today, I moved home from the UK and I had lived in the Brighton area for three years and had a season ticket at Brighton for two of those years. And... Some of the things I heard said, I genuinely never heard those types. Now, Brighton's wild. Like, Brighton is different. As a city, as a night out, Brighton is just different. But it's different in a safe way. People that were wanting to express themselves could do so, knowing that they would be safe in their city because their city embraces Everybody's right to be who they are and be what they want to be, but some of the things I heard shouted and chanted at football games were was genuinely incredible. And um, there was things you'd hear where initially you'd laugh and then you'd stop and you think, "Oh my god!" Like what have I actually just heard here? But yeah, so Brighton have always been targeted for this type of thing. Uh, disappointing to see it coming. From Arsenal, especially, you know, Arsenal fans, Islington has a decent gay community as well. And you'd wonder, do they not welcome those people to their own club or what's the situation there? So good to see Arsenal taking this action. Great to see Brighton taking the action data as well. There's no place at football games for racism, for bigotry, for homophobia for transphobia, for none of that. There's no place at a football game for any of that. If that's your bag, go do something else. Go do something else. Don't go to a football match. You want to be there screaming out homophobic slurs at people? that, First of all, that you don't know. And secondly, when there's kids around, Is that the example you want to set for the next generation that this is okay to say? What a hate-filled life you must have. The Moroccan Football Federation have said that they are open to Hakim Zayic returning to the national team. Uh, He had a falling out with the manager last year and announced that he was quitting international football. Um, but the doors are open. Uh, Morocco obviously qualified for the World Cup, beating the Democratic Republic of Congo, 5-2 in aggregate. And they say Ziyech is welcome to come back and play. Interesting. Interesting. I would imagine... I would imagine he will want to play in the World Cup. Morocco faced Croatia, Belgium and Canada in their group. It's a difficult group, but things go the way they could get themselves into the knockout phases. Um, Wales have launched a bid to host the UEFA Nations League finals in the summer of 2023. Belgium, the Netherlands and Poland have also declared interest. I mean, I think the Nations League is a waste of time, but it'd be a nice little dry run for Wales, considering it looks like uh, the Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, multi and Northern Ireland bid for Euro 2028 will be successful, uh, largely because no one else has bid for it. So it'll be a nice little dry run for them to get them a bit of practice. Alistair McGowan has a piece on the BBC website here with regards to the four potential owners of Chelsea or the four potential buyers of Chelsea, I should say. Um, All of them consortiums. That, to me, is always a question mark when you get consortiums involved. Um, So Todd Bowley obviously leads one group. Uh, He's got Clear Lake Capital, Mark Walter, Hans-Jörg Weiss and Jonathan Goldstein backing him. Uh, This is 100% a profit and loss collection of gentlemen who will want to make a good return on their money. Um, (laughs) Under additional expertise, they've marked down Barbara Sharon, who previously worked at Madonna as a PR executive. Not really sure how that's going to help in the football world. Uh, British journalist and conservative peer, David Finkelstein. Uh, I won't share my thoughts on him. Uh, Both of whom apparently are Chelsea fans. It matters not a jot. Um, Then there's the Ricketts family, backed by Ken Griffin and Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, My thoughts on him, probably not okay for this podcast either. Um. This one has had a bit of controversy because of certain remarks made by Joe Ricketts. They did a good job with the Cubs initially, won the World Series. They have clawed back spending uh, in recent years. But they did a great job at sort of renovating Wrigley Field. And you'd wonder if they couldn't do the same. They would probably be the closest to... Fenway Sports Group in terms of Nows, because they're majority owners of a successful or what has been a successful franchise. Todd Bowley's only a part owner of the Lakers and Dodgers and has no real say in either. Uh, The British led bid, Martin Broughton with backing from Josh Harris and David Blitzer who co-own Crystal Palace and they own the Philadelphia 76ers Investment banker Michael Klein is also on board, and Broughton says investment has come from around the world. This is very much a case of too many cooks. Uh, this one, I think, is probably doomed to failure. Uh, but if you're a, if you're a Crystal Palace fan, you really have to wonder what your owners are doing, trying or what your you know part owners are doing, trying to buy. Another club, and then the quiet bidder, as it's marked down, Stephen Paliuka, who owns the Boston Reds, a uh, Boston Celtics part owns Atalanta, and has backing from Jim Breyer and Eduardo Saverin, He's the guy that co founded Facebook. So, uh, not as much money behind them as there is some of the others, but Paluca, to his credit, has done a pretty good job as one of the co-owners of the Boston Celtics. He's done a pretty good job with at Atalanta as well, but it is worth pointing out uh, he only bought his share of Atalanta this year, so we don't really know much of anything other than he's made one dreadful appointment in bringing in Lee Congerton. That's the only thing we know. Uh, but with the Celtics... Yeah, look, they've they've won a a, a world uh, an NBA title. Was he the owner then though? I actually don't know. Was he I don't know if he was an owner when they won their title in Oh wait, when did Stephen how you go? I actually don't know. I genuinely don't know when he bought the Boston Celtics. Um, And it's very hard to find. Oh, there we go. 2003. Uh, So funnily enough, the same year that Roman bought Chelsea. Uh, He's also on the board of directors of Burger King. So we can expect Burger King franchises to pop up. It in, in Stamford Bridge. I think the Ricketts family probably end up winning out, even though the Chelsea fan base seem to be firmly against them. Bowley is definitely the fan favourite bid, but I think it's a mess. I think there's far too many people involved in it and in the British-led one. I think the the paluca and Ricketts one, they're the ones I trust the most in terms of if they were buying my club can I see a track record of their ownership in sports? Well, I can see it with Paluca. I can see it with the Ricketts family. The, the Martin Broughton led bid has no experience because he has no experience other than saving Liverpool quote unquote from financial ruin. Uh, but he's a banker. I mean, he was, the, was he working for the bank of England at one point. Um, I know Josh Harrison and Blitzer are there, but I mean, the, the, the 76ers have been a dumpster fire for a while. And every time they get two steps forward, they take four steps back. And, I mean, a palace? What have you won? At least I know Paluca's overseen a, a world championship team with the Celtics, and the Celtics have a great team again this year and could well win the Eastern Conference and go to the NBA Finals. Uh, The Cubs have won a World Series under the Ricketts family, so they know how to build. It's just a matter of whether they'll sustain success. I think those two are probably the best options. Um, Before I jump off the news part, do make sure to watch part one of the new Gaza Series on the BBC player. There's actually two parts up. So do make sure to give that a watch. I don't know if there's to be a third part, but uh, I've watched the first episode and it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a third, but I haven't watched the second one yet. I'm going to watch that later today. Um, right, questions time. We don't have many today. I've checked through them. There's not many, so that's fine. AMK2889. First question is in the post. Who would win? So, there's a picture here. Who's going to win? Iniesta, Etu, Ronaldinho and Messi versus Figo, Ronaldo, Zidane and Cristiano. Um, The Barca four played together. It has Messi. The Real four... It's post-prime Ronaldo. He was still great, but it wasn't the guy at his best. Iniesta over Figo, Ronaldo over to Zidane over Ronaldinho, Messi over Cristiano as a four-piece. I think the pieces fit together better with the Barcelona group, so I'll go with them. Second question, am I wrong for thinking Messi belongs and deserves to be with the other Barca players? Well, he's the best of them, uh, so he does belong there. Uh, Cristiano doesn't deserve to be with the other Madrid players. It's impossible for me not to think that the class and ability of Figo, nine and Zidane is beyond Cristiano. See, I agree in terms of the ability, but his performance... Has to put him there. Like I've said before, as a player, I don't think he's anywhere close to the discussion of the best ever. As a goal scorer, he absolutely is. And as a career, he absolutely is. I mean, the career has been incredible. Um, Messi played with the three Barca players on a regular basis and made them players and other players better. That's true. Messi makes all of these players better by just being Messi. If Cristiano played with the other three, he would have to alter his game. He'd have to play as a winger and he would have to be a team-centric player. He'd have to go back to being young Cristiano, sort of 03 to 06, 07 sort of range. Um, you'd put Zidane as the 10, Ronaldo as the 9, Cristiano one wing and Figo as the other. Maybe Figo, as an, as an idol of Cristiano, could keep him in check. It would be a fun front four. There would be very little in the way of tracking back. Uh, the Barca would, group would be Iniesta as part of midfield three, Messi on the right, Etu through the middle and Ronaldinho off the left. Uh, but who would win? I think the Barca group would because they they played together and they have Messi. Um, Tom Rowe, controversial warning. Any legs in convincing Simicus to stay another season with the plan to sell Robbo in the summer of 23 while he still has decent value and will be the better part of 30? Might be reactionary, but he's hardly put a foot wrong this season. So on the Daily Red today, I went through the left backs in the league I think you can make a case that Costa Simicus is anywhere from the fourth best left back in the league at best to the ninth best left back in the league at worst. Either way, he's in the top 10 and I have Robertson can and Kieran Tierney as the three. I would definitely take over him. Now Tierney with the injuries can be a bit of a worry, but you know, I think he's a better defensive player than Ben Chilwell. He's a better defensive player than Luca Dinià and Sergi Regulón, And I don't think any of them are drastically better than them going forward. I think his delivery matches all of them. Dinià takes a better free kick. But Costas takes just as good a corner. Um, I think there's Luke Shaw, who had that great season with no fans and has gone back to being fairly average with fans. So, you know, if you want to argue for Luke Shaw, carry on. But either way, you're not naming me any more than eight left-backs in the league better than Costas, and that's what Costas barely played. Not barely playing, he's played a bit this season, but he played regularly. He's definitely top four. He may even be top three. Um... I, I wouldn't sell Robbo, but what I could see us doing is overpaying Costas in terms of wages to keep him around, keep him happy, and gradually upping his games, lowering Robbo's games, so that in, say, three years' time, Costas is playing more games than Robbo's maybe just kept for big games and, and whatever else. Um, but I, I I having two excellent left-backs. Like, when you consider the dross that played for Liverpool at left-back for years, I would argue these are the two best left-backs the club has had since Steve Nicol played there in the late 80s. Like, I I would have both of these over Julian Dix, over Stig Inge Bjornaby, over John Arnaurisa, over Fabio Aurelio, over Andrea De Senna, over, obviously, John Flanagan, who was dreadful. Over uh, Ali Sissoko. Over Albi Moreno. And, you know, with respect to Albi, obviously, a wonderful player. Mad as a brush, but great fun. Um, and, and Aurelio Aurelio was more talented than either of the current two. But he just couldn't stay on the pitch. So I'd argue these are the two best left backs Liverpool have had in the last 30 years and to have them both at one time is what I want to do. I want to keep both of them, and I want to do the same at right-back. I want to find a right-footed Costas who can be a quality backup to Andy Robertson, and I'd happily overpay them to stay. I think when you have quality... like Liverpool have overpaid bad players to stay for years. Overpay good players and keep them around. Um... Right. Jainese Foschisi, whose name always makes me smile. Um, Question for today's pod. What are the main differences in Gavi and Pedri's game and which has the higher ceiling? I think Pedri has the higher ceiling. Both are excellent passers. Gavi is better off the ball. He's a better ball winner. He is more physical. Pedri's a better dribbler. And Pedri has more of a goal threat. Together, I think they're going to be absolutely sensational for Barca for years and years to come. Assuming they both stay there, which I think they will. Um, You add Nico Gonzalez to the mix. He's another very, very talented young midfielder. Not on the same level as those two but certainly one whose game complements both of them. Uh, if I was Iliak's Mariba, I would be firing my agent immediately and finding out if there's any possible way I could get myself back to Barca to be part of that midfield group. But yeah, I think, I think Gavi's as good a passer as Pedri and better off the ball. I think his box-to-box work is superior... Gavi reminds me quite a bit of Barella in that kind of ball of energy, real ferocity to his game. Whereas Pedri is more about the nuance and about finding little gaps of space and really making the difference in the margins. Whereas if you watch them play, I think you'll see Gavi more. But if you watch Pedri, you'll see more of the game basically. I think Pedri has a level of intelligence to his game that's really, really rare. They're both so special, though, and Barca are absolutely blessed to have both. Um, Sports Lens. Three questions for today's pod. Assuming Spurs get top four, what players would you sign into the first eleven? that takes them to the next level. So I've said for about two years now, I think they need to start looking to upgrade that goalkeeper, but I don't think they'll do that this season because he's signed a new deal. Um, Back three, you've got Romero, you need two upgrades. I'd go Gvardiol or Lisandro Martinez for the left-sided one. Either of them I think would be excellent. Gvardiol is really special. If you could get him, great. The middle role is tough. The obvious one is Stefan de played for um, Conte at Inter. Tremendous player. Joe Gomez would be perfect for that role. If you could somehow convince Liverpool to let you have Joe Gomez even if you had to pay over the odds, Joe Gomez would be perfect. Reading the game, his pace, his passing ability. I think Joe Gomez could develop into an unbelievable centre-back in the middle of a three. Um, but I'd probably go De Vries and Gvardi I think they're realistic and, and ones you can afford. Um, that then leaves you with the likes of Tanganga, Dyer... Davinson, Joe Roden, and Ben Davies for depth, you'd probably sell one or two of them. Davinson brings the most money, I guess. And Joe Roden hasn't really gotten a look in. So you could sell those two and have Tanganga, Dyer, and Davies as your backup three, and I think you're okay there. Um, I'd be looking to bring in a right wing back. I think left wing back is fine with, with Regulon and Sessignon. I'd be looking to bring in a right wing back with Norwich going down, I'd probably go Max Aaron's and have him and Emerson Royale. They give you different type of looks at that position. Um, You've got Benton Kerr, you've got Heisberg, you've got Winks, you've got Skip. I'd probably just look to bring over the kid they brought last, bought last summer, Saar, who's on loan in France. Probably just look to bring him over. Add him to that midfield group, he's special. And if him and Kirk can strike up an understanding, that could be the one for them in midfield. Um, then you're looking for certain for a backup to Kane. You've got Kulisewski, you've got Son, and you've got Lucas Mora. And Bergvine, who could be the depth behind them, but you've got to find that backup for Harry Kane. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone that plays all the time, but it has to be someone reliable and someone that can give Kane spells of rest. Now, obviously, a lot depends on what your budget is, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. If you could afford Ivan Tony, I mean, I don't know if he joined to sit on the bench, but Tony offers a lot of what Kane offers great hold up play. He links play really well. He's creative in his passing. He should have 10 plus assists this season. If you could afford Ivan Tony, I would go Ivan Tony. You're probably looking at 45 million for him, say 20 for Aaron's. That's 65. Uh, 15 probably gets you. De Vries this year with one year left in his contract, that's 80. I don't know what Leipzig would want for Guardiol. Maybe 40, 45, it's 125 million. It's a lot of money. Um, and you, and you still need to bring in a backup goalkeeper because I don't think you're keeping Galini. Now, like I said earlier, you can sell Roden, you maybe get 10, 12 million there. Sell Davinson, you maybe get 20 for him. Uh, I'd sell Doherty. That's another six, maybe. Um, yeah, you, you're looking at probably a hundred million net spend either way. So it's, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but it, whether I don't know if that team is good enough to win the title, but it's certainly good enough to hold a top four spot next season and have a good a good old bash at Europe. Um. Two, what players would you have signed for Arsenal last summer to take them into the top four this season and title contention beyond? So, um, let's have a quick gander here. Arsenal FC. First things first, I would not have signed Ben White or Aaron Ramsdale. I would have kept Mavroponis. I would have kept Gwendozi. I would have kept William Saliba. I would have kept Lucas Torreira. I would have kept Ainsley Maitland Niles. All of them helped the squad, but Saliba goes in at centre back next to Gabriel. I would have brought in Tommy Asu. I like that back four Tommy Asu, Saliba, Gabriel. And Tierney, it is young, it is inexperienced, but there's a lot of quality there. I would have gone for... Goalkeeper's tough. I probably would have gone Pedrag Raskovic uh, for my goalkeeper. I think he is an outstanding goalkeeper. I think he's good with his feet, commanding, Great shot stopper. Him or Dragowski at Fiorentina. They'd be the keepers I'd have gone for. I probably would have leaned towards Rajkovic because I think you'd have had him cheaper. Uh, Coming from Reims, I think 15, 20 million probably gets him. Reims only paid three. Uh, They bought him to replace Mendy, who went to Wren and then went to Chelsea. And he's been better there than... Mendy was at Rennes, or that Mendy was at Reims, so yeah, I would have gone Rajkovic in goal I would have looked for another right back to back up Tomiyasu someone of a similar someone of a similar physical profile I uh, don't have a big problem with Nuno Tavares he wouldn't be the type of left back I'd buy but he's alright, but in Mavropono's and obviously you wouldn't have loaned out um wouldn't have loaned out Pablo Mari because you need four centre backs. I'd have Maverponis and, and Mari as my backup centre backs. The left back is fine. Tavares, you could even just keep Maitland Niles, your backup right back. I would have kept Joe Willock as well. See, I wouldn't have sold him because I think he's at least a good backup. I would have brought in Odegaard, that's fine. And now I've got Saka and Pepe on one wing. I've got Martinelli and Rowe on the other and Odegaard and Willock as my uh, my number 10s. I would have had... Uh, Granit Xhaka would be gone, obviously. Uh, Partey... I'd have played Partey and Guendouzi or Partey and Torreira, to be honest, with the other one as the backup. And probably Maitland-Niles as the backup in there as well. So yeah, I would have looked for a backup right back. Old Aina would have done fine. Six million would have got me him. So I have Tommy Asu and Aina, um Saliba and Mavroponos, Gabriel and Mari, Tierney and Tavares, although I would have looked for somebody else, but whatever, he's fine. Uh Rajkovic and um and Leno. So I've spent 15 rather than 25, I've saved 10. I've spent nothing on my defense that they didn't spend because they brought in Tavares and Tomiyasu but I'm not spending any money on Ben White. So I'm I'm now 60 million up on what they spent. Uh let's say the was it 20 million they got for Joe Willock. So I've got 40 million now to play with. Who else did they bring in? Um I wouldn't have bought Lakonga personally. I, I wouldn't have bought Conga. Um, so he was 16 million, take out the six I need for Aina. So I'm up what 50 million? I've got 50 million left, and I know the one thing I need is a striker. But I, I would have been looking to move on Aubameyang and Lacazette last summer, one way or another. I'd have been looking to move them on. And I, I, I look, I've been on the Darwin Nunes hype train since he was at Almeria, so I probably would have lumped on him. Or Vlahovic last summer. I think if you'd gone for Vlahovic last summer, you probably would have got him. If you'd thrown Benfica 50 million for Nunes, you definitely would have got him because he didn't have a great season last year. But yeah, that, I, w- I would have gone big on that number nine. Big on that number nine. There's, there's a need for Arsenal to sort that position out this summer. And I have a feeling they're going to miss out on the players they actually want and end up with a Calvert-Lewin. Now, Calvert-Lewin's a good player. I just don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if it's all that high. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have gone Vlahovic or Darwin Nunes with, with that money that I haven't spent on Ben White, basically. That 50 million I've got left over. And I think my squad is better than what they've got. If I've got... Rajkovic leno Tomiasu-Ena, Tierney Tavares, Saliba Mavroponos, Gabriel, Mari. I've got two good options everywhere, and I can just keep Rob Holding as my fifth centre-back, so that's fine. And then I've got Cedric as my third full-back on both sides, so that's fine. And again, Maitland-Niles that have kept around and kept him involved, so I've got him who can play both full-back spots. I've got Partey and Partey and Maitland Niles as my sort of box to box midfielders, and Guendozi and Torreira as my dictating options. I've actually sold Granadaca for whatever I can get from, so I've actually up more than I thought. So I've got about sixty million to get that striker. Sixty million would have got Vlahovic last summer. It would have. Sixty million would have got Vlahovic last summer. So now I've got Saka Pepe. Smith Rowe Martinelli, Odegaard Willock. I know they're very different, but that's what you want. You want a different look there. And then I've got Vlahovic up front with, let's just say, Black sticks around and Enketi and Baligan. I think I'd get top four with that. As long as you've got the right manager, it would not have been Mikel Arteta. Because you see, as soon as Conte announced he was leaving, I'd have just binned it all off and gone for him. You'd have needed to go a different shape, but even for him, Tommy Asu, Saliba, and Gabrielle as a back three that works works perfectly. Um, I don't know how he plays that though. Let me think. He, he I think his front three. See, he wouldn't go Odegaard. He would have Saka Pepe on the right, Martinelli Smith Rowe on the left, and then Vlahovic, Vlahovic, Enketia, Lacazette, whatever, as your, your strikers. And then in midfield, the midfielders are fine. But instead of buying Odegaard, you buy a right wing back, like a really high end right wing back. That's probably what you would have had to do for Conte. Instead of buying Odegaard, buy a high high-end right wing back. So maybe not not him, but yeah, you get what I you get what I said. Anyway, let's move on. Last question then from you is, if you if you had to make an eleven of the best Championship players to stay in next year's Premier League, who would they be and why? Okay. Um, Championship table. Okay. This is a non-exhaustive team, so I'm sure I'm going to miss players. But I'd probably take... Controversial, I'll take Mark Travers of Bournemouth in goal. Slight Irish bias, but that's fine. Um, I'm going Spence, right back, Anthony Robinson, left back. They're, they're wing backs in this team. Uh, back three, I'm going Lloyd Kelly on the left of it. I'm going Joe Warrell. I really want Rob Dickey. Can I play Dickey and Worrell? I probably can. Now, you know what? I'll just go back four. I'll go Lloyd Kelly left back, Jed Spence right back, Worrell and Dickey as my centre-backs. I think that works. Um, In midfield, I want John Swift of Reading because I think he's really good. I want Lewis Cook because I'm a big fan of Lewis Cook and my third midfielder mm. let's see Sander definitely Sander of do you know what I'll take I'll take Jefferson Lerma actually over Over Lewis Cook I'll go I'll go Swift Burge and Lerma as my midfield three and then in attack I'm going Brennan Johnson I'm going Fabio Carvalho and Mitrovic it's harsh on Dominic Solanke because he's had a Tremendous season. David Brooks would have to be in the mix as well, but obviously he's ill at the moment. And from a talent point of view, I'd have him. Ben Britton Diaz. There's, there's some really like there's really good players in the championship. Grady D is one I like. I think he should be back in the Premier League. Um, I'm just going to go with that group. I'm going to go with Mitrovic as my nine. Brennan Johnson one side. And Fabio Carvalho, the other side. So Johnson on the right, Carvalho on the left. Um Mitrovic through the middle. Lerma Sander Burge and uh, John Swift is. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with John Swift. I am. I'm just now you know what? I'm gonna take the younger version, I'm gonna take Jason Knight from Derby. I'll take Jason Knight from Derby as my third midfielder I think he's really good I think he's someone the Crystal Palace should look at this summer change at the back we're going Joe Worrell and Tosin from Fulham Lloyd Kelly at left back and uh, Jed Spence at right back that's what I want that's the that's the back four I want and then Tosin was so good in the Premier League last year as well and I think Toast and Warrell definitely works because we've seen Tolson and Anderson work, and Worrell and Tolson, uh, Worrell and Anderson are quite similar. Um I, I'm I'm gonna stick with the keeper, I think. I think I'm gonna stick with Mark Travers. Not of the cop, not at the cap to Joe Bursik. Not of the cap to Sam Johnson, I'm not including Freddie Woodman because he's not actually owned by a championship team. He's on loan there, and he's also sitting on the bench while Mark Travers keeps him out of the team. So I'm going to go with Mark Travers. Um, yeah, I'm happy enough with that team. So there we go. And then last one, uh, Isaac Gilding. These are the these are all the finalists from the Champions League. Excuse me, in the last ten years, what order do you think they would finish in a league table if a full thirty eight games were played? I appreciate trying to order the Real Madrid teams are difficult. But I'm sure you're up to the task. So thankfully, thankfully I saw this last night when we were doing RAW. Got a little bit distracted. If you listened to post-match RAW and Anfield Index Pro and thought I sounded a little bit distracted, it was because this had boggled my head and I was trying to make a rough outline of what a league table would look like. Um, right, so for those that don't know, 11-12, it's Bayern, Chelsea. Bayern Dortmund. 13-14, Real Atleti. I should have said chelsea Bayern for the first one because Chelsea won. Uh, Real Atleti for 13-14. 14-15 was Barca-Juve. 15-16, Real Real Atleti. 16-17, Real Juve. 17-18, Real Liverpool. 18-19, Liverpool Spurs. 19-20, Bayern PSG. 2021 is Chelsea, Man City. So I have deemed this Barcelona 14-15 are the team that would win this league table or this league title. You've got arguably the best front three ever put together. You've still got Iniesta, who's great at the time, and Busquets in his prime. I have a hard time seeing past that team They were that special. So I've got them first. I've got the 16-17 Real Madrid team. I think that's the best of the four Real Madrid teams that won European Cups. They're the only one of those four Real Madrid teams that won European Cups who also won the league that season. So I'm going with Real Madrid 16-17. In third place, I've got Bayern Munich 19-20. Hansy Flick's travel winners, I, I just think they were untouchable that year. Uh, so I've got them. Fourth, I've got the 18-19 Liverpool team. Came within one point of a Premier League, Champions League double. And that team, to me, was better than the Liverpool team the following year that won the league. I think they were unbelievable. In fifth, I've got Bayern... From twelve, thirteen, also travel winners under Upankus. I think that was just a brilliant team. Back to front, they were great. Uh, a little bit of controversy, I think, maybe with this one because this team lost their final, and I have them ranked significantly higher than the team who won the final. I've got Man City from twenty twenty one. I think that was just a really good team. A really, really good team. 15-16 uh, Real is next. Then I've got 13-14 Atleti. I know they lost the final, but they won La Liga that year. I just felt like they ran out of steam, but they should have won that final. They were the better team that year. They were better than Real Madrid in 13-14. So I've got them. Then I've got 1920 PSG. There's just too much talent not to have them that high. I've got 1415 Juve, which I think is about the best version of the great Juventus team that won nine in a row. Then I've got 1314 Real Madrid. Then I've got 2021 20, Chelsea. Now they're my third lowest of the teams that won it but I think that's a better team than the other 2 I've got below the next team is Real Madrid 17-18 the last Real team that won it that to me was by far the weakest Real team they were really run down at that point and if it wasn't for the fact that they played a mediocre Liverpool team in the final let's be fair um I think they could have been comfortably beaten in that final. Uh, 11-12 Bayern is next. I know they lost, but they were vastly better than the team that beat them in the final. Uh, 15-16 Atleti in 15th. 16th place, I've got 16-17 Juventus. 17th place, I've got 12-13 Dortmund. My bottom three, I've got Spurs 18-19. That's a good Spurs team. You could make an argument that that Spurs team would beat the Dortmund team of 12-13, but I I don't think they would. The bottom two is a toss-up. And I've got a winner and a loser in it. I've got a Champions League winner in my bottom two. The 11-12 Chelsea. I think that's comfortably the worst team to win the Champions League. Comfortably. And then I've got 17, 18 Liverpool. If you go into a Champions League final and you've got Lloris Karius in goal, Dejan Lovren at centre-back, Henderson and Milner in midfield, and your first attacking sub off the bench is Lalana. You're done for. That's the worst team, in my view. You could argue it's the Chelsea team, and I won't disagree. But either way, it's one of those two. They are the two worst teams to play in a European Cup final in the last decade. And I, I genuinely don't think it's close. Um, gossip. Newcastle want to make Brentford's Christian Eriksen their flagship signing this summer. And will compete with Tottenham Everton. <laughs> Everton. He's not going to go play for Everton. Um, I, I, I think he's going to stay with Brentford. Corinthians, Botafogo and Flamengo have all approached Fernandinho about a move, but he prefers a move to his former side, Atletico Uh, Good for him. Uh, glad that he has options. Manchester City are considering a move for Mikel Moreno to replace Fernandinho. He's a good player. I just, I I don't know that he's a city-caliber player. Former Chelsea captain John Terry has joined Stephen Paliuka's bid to buy the Blues. Isn't he working at the club now in some sort of capacity? Like, conflict of interest much? Liverpool have agreed to pay Mohamed Salah 400000 a week to persuade him to stay at Anfield. This comes initially from Football Insider, so therefore trash. West Ham have entered the race to sign Moussa Diaby. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. He's going to cost £60 million. Uh, Tottenham and Cardiff are joint favourites to sign Gareth Bale. I'd love them to go to Cardiff. I think that's great crack if he goes and plays for Cardiff in the championship. Ex-Manchester City and Spain midfielder David Silva is expected to sign a one-year contract extension with Real Sociedad, but the club want him to take a pay cut understandable at his age. He's earned plenty. Take your pay cut, stick around, you're having fun. Edinson Cavani could be Manchester United's secret weapon in signing Darwin Nunes with the 35-year-old Cavani having given them a good reference. This is such crap. Both Arsenal and Newcastle are linked with Lucas Paqueta. There's no point in Arsenal signing him, but he would make sense for Newcastle. Um... There's no point in Arsenal signing because they've already got six players who play in those positions behind the striker. Manchester City face competition as they continue to monitor Enzo Fernandez of River Plate. Real Madrid and Manchester City are both interested and he has a buyout of €20 million. I think I saw Bayer Leverkusen's name linked to him recently as well. And they have recent history of doing deals with River Plate when they bought um, Ezekiel Palacios. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ready to go and play for a top European club right now uh, because that's a huge step, such a huge step. Fulham are set to finalise the 6.3 million signing of Manor Solomon. Good player. Aberdeen have been linked with a move for Ipswich Town's 31-year-old Czech keeper. Who cares? Uh, Newcastle are si- poised to sign 17-year-old Irish defender Alex Murphy from Galway United. Uh, he will immediately become their best centre-back, in part because I don't even know if he is a centre-back, to be honest, but in part because he's Irish, and in part because, well, their defensive situation is a catastrophe. Uh, let me see. He looks like a centre-back. He he looks like a center back. That's all I'm all I'm taking from one picture of him horsing himself into a tackle is that he looks like a center back. Um I don't know. I don't know where he plays. Wolves and West Ham will have to pay £58 million pounds to trigger the release call clause of Lucas Acampus. Nonsense. Um Arsenal are preparing a 20 million euro bid to sign Turkish midfielder Karim Artakoglu from Galatasaray. Do Arsenal need another winger? I mean the, the the answer is no. But he's he's really talented. And it would mean, I suppose, that they could use Martinelli through the middle more. So you could have Saka Pepe. Smith-Rowe-Odegaard as the 10s and then Martinelli and him on the left. You still have no strikers, though. Um, That's me for today, folks. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye. Podcast Network.